and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Have any of you ever been in the situation where people ask, who are you? Or tell us about yourself. Yeah. All right. Usually that used to happen to me first day of school. I remember that happening every year. Everybody stand up on your desks and tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. And most of the time, you know, um, somebody asks you to tell you about yourself, you would give your name, perhaps your age, depending on where you are on that spectrum. You may not reveal where you are on the age. Maybe a family description, um, something quick like, um, you know, for me I would say I'm a husband, I'm a father of three. And then you'd go into your occupation. So, for example, if somebody were to come up and say, Mike, tell us about yourself, I'd say, well, I'm Mike, I'm 30, I'm a husband, I'm a father of three, and I'm a general contractor. Well, now they've got, they've got all the information that they need to know about Mike, right? That's all that everybody needs to know. What we should be saying is, hi, I'm Mike, and I'm blessed because I'm a son of God. That's what we should be putting forth. That's what we should have in our heads, and that's what we should be walking around thinking of ourselves as. Not our occupation, our job doesn't define us. Not our age, not how many kids we have, but who's our father, and we're a son of God. So turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. What God did through Jesus Christ made it available for us to be in his family. Legally speaking, once we are born again, once we claim Romans 10, 10, 9, we claim Jesus Christ as Lord in our life and we confess that with our mouth, we are born again. We believe that God raised him from the dead. We are born again. Once we confess that, we are his. We are sons of God at that moment. That's all it takes and that's all that's needed. Once we do that, we are redeemed, we are righteous, we are sanctified. We have the ability to claim all that is legally ours. That's what God did for us. What we have to do is claim it. We have to claim it, we have to believe it, and we have to walk in that power knowing who we are as sons of God. Romans 12, and in verse 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Legally, once we, are, once we confess Romans 10.9, we are born again, we are sons of God, legally. And Romans is laid out as a legal document. It will hold up in any court of law. God has bought us back. He has redeemed us. Legally, God has done his part. Our job is to renew our minds to what God's Word has to say about it and walk in that and know that and claim that. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world. And whenever I read that verse, I think about 
my kids playing with Play-Doh. They take that Play-Doh and they move it around and they conform it. They make it to whatever way they want. And I had this mind picture last week when you talked about the anvil of God's word and the hammers beating against the anvil. The world is, is just beating all around us and conforming and society makes you think certain ways and it's just twisting you and molding you. God's word says be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. To renew your mind means that there's a mind there to begin with, to renew. You have a mind. We've got all these centers of learning. Some of us had a mind. Some of us lost our mind. <laughs> but we found it. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind to what? To God's Word. Renew your mind to God's Word. We have all these centers of learning, all these centers of reference that we're constantly getting information into our mind. And we could be conformed to this world, and we could let society shape us and maneuver us and move us in ways that it wants us to be, or we could renew our mind to what God says. And we renew our mind that we may prove what is that perfect and acceptable and perfect will of God. When God legally brought us back, he redeemed us. And in order to make that sonship, that sonship that we have, in order to make it a living reality in our lives, we need to renew our minds to what God says we are. Not what the world says we are, what God says we are. We know what the world says. The world says we're crazy. But God's word says that they don't understand the things of God. It's foolishness unto them. God is spiritual. This book is spiritual. They don't get it. They're the fools, not us. They're the crazy ones. Who wouldn't want this? So we need to renew our minds to what God says we are. God did his part. Our job is renewing our minds to that truth. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's funny listening to manifestations. I said, geez, God knows what I'm going to teach on. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in verse 5, this is, this is really cool. I'm excited to share this with you guys. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I looked up the literal according to usage on this verse and it, it just made this verse so living and real in my mind. So I'll read the verse again, and then I'll read the literal according to usage. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The literal according to usage, Demolish your human logic from the high position to which you have lifted it, vertically against the knowledge of God, which you have known by experience. Be wise, lead captive every thought to Christ, which you have attentively listened to and heard. I just love that, because when we read in the King James, casting down imaginations, to cast something, to cast something, I take this book, and in our mind to cast, is, I just cast it down. Or I cast my fishing rod with you. 
nice and easy. Right, right, Pete? But we're not just casting it and letting it go. Demolish, demolish your human logic, our ways of thinking, the way the world conforms and tells us that we're supposed to think. Demolish that. When you demolish something, you demolish a building, and most times they take it down so they can build a new one. They knock the building down and demolish it so they can build a new one. We demolish your human logic from the high position to which you have lifted it vertically. I love that because it puts it right back on you. God's perfect. God stays the same. If something's screwed up, we did it. Something's screwed up, we did it. And we need to get ourselves back. Demolish your human logic from the high position which you have lifted it vertically against the knowledge of God, which you have known by experience. Be wise, lead captive every thought to Christ, which you have attentively listened to and heard. You know, we think we're so smart. We think we've got everything figured out as, as humans. But when we elevate our thinking to think that we know better than God, we know that something's wrong. There should be a red flag there, something going off saying, well, God's word says, lean not unto my own understanding, but unto him. So we shouldn't have our thinking elevated above what God says. And this is written in the book of Corinthians. We know about the book of Corinthians. They've heard the word. We've heard the word. We know the word. So God's saying, you lifted it vertically against the knowledge of God, which you know by experience. Be wise and lead every, every thought captive to Christ, which you attentively listened to and heard. He's saying, you know this. You know this. You know the word. You've heard the word. Bring it back. You know better than that. <laughs> Bring it back. So we were talking about sonship rights. Legally, so there's two sides of it. There's legally and vitally. Legally, what is done for us and that we're sons, and vitally, practically, putting it into, into action and manifestation in our life. And the bridge between those two is the renewing of the mind. Renewing your mind to what has been accomplished and putting it into practice in your life and living with it. So to ultimately settle the renewed mind in your heart, you have to answer three main questions for yourself. Does God tell the truth? Will God keep his promises, and is he able? And to answer these questions, and any questions, you read all the commentaries, right? Yeah. You read or you go talk to your friends and everybody else. You read every book that's written on the subject. Are you sure? Because that's what the world says to do. But we know better. Any question, you go to the Word. So, to answer our first question, we're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Does God tell the truth? John chapter 17. We'll start in verse 8. This is Jesus Christ speaking, saying, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Jesus Christ gave his disciples and his apostles the words that God gave them to say. He's giving them God's word. In verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 
I have given them thy word. And in verse 17, sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. There are facts and there is truth. Facts change. Facts are man-made. Facts, we were talking about diets on Sunday. Today, eating all carbs, that's a fact that that's the best way to lose weight. And tomorrow, it's all proteins. Fact, that's the best way to lose weight. Well, facts change because it's man-made and nothing that we could do is ever actually perfect. God's word is perfect. It's truth. It's truth. And it's always truth from beginning to end and it liveth and abideth forever. It's truth. So that answers question number one. Does God tell the truth? Yes, God's word is God's will. This is right from God's mouth, and that's the truth. It says right there, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So our second question, will God keep his promises? And for that, we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 11. So we know God tells the truth. We know that, in other verse, he's not a man that he should lie. God always tells the truth. And in Hebrews 11, we'll answer, will God keep his promises? In verse 11, through faith, through believing, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had what? Promised. promised. God promised her, even though she was a zillion years old and was not supposed to have any kids, and the world says there's no way, God promised her that she will have a son, and she did, because she judged him faithful, and he had promised it, and she claimed that promise, and she believed it, and that promise came to pass. God said it, he doesn't lie, and he keeps his promises. So does God tell the truth? Yes. Will God keep his promises? Yes. Is he able... And we'll go to a pretty familiar verse to prove that one, Ephesians chapter 3. Is he able? Ephesians 3 and in verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now unto him who is able, he is able, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Again, we think we're so smart. We think that we can have, we come up with a plan of how to fix a problem and then want God to put his stamp of approval on it because, <laughs> because we think that that's the best way to go. God's always got something better. There's good and better and best, and everything from God is always the best. And he's not only willing, he's able. Right? Yeah. That's right. He's got the jack, and he's willing to help you change the car tire. Right? Yeah. I had to use a jack today. I was thinking about that. <laughs> not for a car tire, but I, I had to use that. Exceeding abundantly all that we could ask or think, and uh, we were talking uh, the other day, I'm watching a documentary about country music, and it's going way, way back to the beginnings. And this guy, D. Ford Bailey, he was a harmonica player, and he was the first guy to do 
the train whistle sound with the harmonica. Nobody had ever heard that before. It was like a German instrument. It was supposed to be just an organ sound. But he started the, the train whistle. And up to everyone's mind, they couldn't even fed. They couldn't even think of the harmonica doing a sound like that before. And then he starts getting into chugga 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 And he starts making this instrument sound like a steam engine. And nobody had ever heard that before. That was above all that they could ever think. <laughs> That's humans. That's a, a harmonica making a train sound is above all that we could think. Okay? At that point, and now, you know, everybody does it. And it's the same thing, what was it, the... Uh, the six-minute mile, was that it? The four-minute four mile? Four-minute mile never been broken until some guy finally did it, and then, hey, what do you know? A bunch of people start breaking the, you know, the four-minute mile. We put these barricades, these, you know, this is as far as we can go in our mind. We can go as far as the promises of God. That's what it said. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That verse would have been great if it ended right before that because that means God's just going to take care of everything. But according to the power that worketh in us, we've got to believe for it. Too long we've been living below par, putting our foot on the hose of God's promises and God's abundance when God's saying he can do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think if we would just let him, if we would just let him. So does God tell the truth? Absolutely. Will he keep his promises? He sure will. And is he able more than, more than anybody? Let's go to the 1 John chapter 3. 1 John. First John chapter 3, and we'll go on verse 1. And I just love this verse. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The question isn't about the legal side. The question isn't about what God has done. God's done it. God's done it. He has made us sons. It's not about what he's already done and made available. It's about making it a living reality in our lives. We are sons of God right now. Right now. Not after 10 years of schooling. Not after you've got a couple hundred fellowships under your belt. Not after you've memorized all the books of the Bible. Not after you've taken all the classes. Not after you've fasted for 40-whatever. That nonsense. Now. God says we are sons of God now. You confess Jesus Christ as Lord in your life and believe that God raised Him from the dead. That's it. Welcome to the family. You're in. That's all you had to do. Right now you are a son of God. And the person who gets born again today has the same rights and can claim the same promises as the person who's been coming to fellowship and has been born again for 40 years. 
The same exact. Same exact. God is no respecter of persons. Now, God is the father to those that he has fathered. Is every Tom, Dick, and Harry and nincompoop running around raising hell, is he a son of God? No. No. God isn't the father of everyone. God's the father of those he's fathered. My earthly father is my father. My earthly father is not Dylan's father. <laughs> Even if he wanted to trade, he, did t- he, he, he made it tough on himself. He gave me the same name. That was, that was, if he ever wanted to get rid of me, he, he made it tough on himself. God is the father of those that he, had fa- he has fathered, those who are born again of God's spirit. You're born again. You're a son of God. You... You just opened up the floodgates. You just made the best decision of your life. You are a son of God now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, First Corinthians, it's right before 2 Corinthians, <laughs> chapter 1. And in verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But of him are you. You are in Christ Jesus. You've got all these things as a son of God. You have wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You've been redeemed. You've been bought back. God got his nickel for you. Right? You go to the redemption center, you get a nickel back, right? You guys get it? Okay. God bought us back. We've been bought back. We are redeemed. We are sanctified. We are set apart. We are righteous. We can stand in front of the throne of God without any sense of sin, guilt, or condemnation. We are righteous. But I especially like the wisdom. But if him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, There's no reason for us to walk around stupid. God tells us a bunch that he would not have us be ignorant. He tells us he's made unto us wisdom. It says in James, you don't have to turn there, but in James it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that he gives to all men liberally. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask, and God will give you that wisdom because you are a son of God, because you can claim that. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And I was thinking about this today. I was working on a deck, and I had to screw a couple boards together. I know a dozen ways that I could screw two-by-fours together. I can, you got two pieces of lumber. You could screw them together this way. You could screw them together this way. You can miter them and put them this way. I can make a, 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 a mortise and tenon joint, and I could join them that way. So I've got knowledge of all these different ways that I could join this together. The wisdom is knowing which application to use when. When do I need to do this or this or this or this? That's the wisdom. God says he'll give us wisdom. If you lack it, ask him. He'll give you more than you can handle. He will do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. You know, you want to get that wisdom to the point that you got to say, cool it, God, all right? This is way too much. I can't handle all, I can't handle all this uh, wisdom. I am too wise, God. I am too wise. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, mm-hmm. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we are born again, God, you are a new creature. But we know that we have to renew our mind, and we've got to put that on. Right? It says, it says we need to take off the old man. You have to take off the old man and put on the new man. You have to do that. You have to renew your mind. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God has brought us back together. Reconciled. Reconciled back together. And he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given it to us. If God's given it to you, have you got it? Yeah. yeah. Whether you like it or whether you don't, you've got it. I thought about that. in the Christmas story. You guys all seen that movie, The Christmas Story? Ralphie gets a present from his aunt. <laughs> Ralphie gets a big pink bunny suit. He doesn't want it, but does he have it? Yes. He's got it. We want it, though. <laughs> we don't have a big pink bunny suit. We've got the greatest thing. We've been reconciled back together with God, and we've been given the ministry to reconcile men and women back to God. Verse 19, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Can't have the ministry of reconciliation without the word. Somebody's got to be able to speak it. You've got to have the word. And if God has committed it unto us, we ought to be committed unto him. We ought to be committed unto that. He has reconciled us. He has brought us back together. Verse 20. Now then, now we are sons of God. Well, now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now then, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. If your father is a millionaire, you have all those rights. You have all that power, right? You're in that family. And if your dad was a millionaire, you'd walk around like you were top dog, wouldn't you? Who's going to touch you? Don't you know who I am? I'm a son of God. Don't you know who I am? When we're ambassadors, you don't walk around and degrade and embarrass or walk away from the word. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We are examples. We hold that word high and we magnify it. I remember when I was playing football, varsity high school football. Friday night we'd play a game. Win or lose, whatever, we'd go back to the locker room and coach would say, hey, don't go out partying and causing all a bunch of trouble. Wherever you go, you represent this team. But we all took that seriously. Wherever you go, you represent this team. And we didn't want to bring any embarrassment to coach. Let me tell you what, laps were hard enough. 
Wherever you go, you represent Christ. You represent God. You represent His family. We'll close in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and in verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. That forgiveness is remission. Remission. When you're born again, the slate is wiped clean. Everything that you had done up until that point, forget about it. God's forgotten about it. It's gone. It's done. It's over. You have that complete remission of sins. And when I think about the word remission, most of the time you hear that when people have cancer or a tumor or something, right? They're in remission. That always has an air of, well, it might come back. These aren't coming back. These are gone. Never to be heard from again. We have remission of sins according to the riches of His grace because none of us, nobody walking this earth is going to walk perfectly. I'm not Jesus Christ. I have Christ in me, but I've got to renew my mind to put on that mind of Christ. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up. And we need that forgiveness of sins, that love of God, to be able to Say, I'm sorry, God, get back in fellowship, get back on the right track and renew my mind to claim that I am a son of God. I have all the promises that he has given to me in his word. I am an ambassador, and I have, I have all of this at my disposal. So when someone asks you who you are, you can say, I'm a son of God. God bless. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.